everybody and welcome to a special edition of the scouting report with my guy russ bollinger yes uh still experiencing some technical difficulties uh so our next player for our audio scouting report is going to be on hold so today we're going to jump in talk trades in the nfl and perhaps you know discuss a little bit what these thing teams were thinking from a scouting perspective the trade deadline always a lot of fun um sometimes more hype than substance but this year we had some big names moving as teams clearly tried to make the push for the postseason uh ultimately try to win that lombardi trophy we won't talk through every trade as there were a number of them that, uh, you know, seventh round pick for maybe a backup role player. Uh, but we're going to hit on a few of them, talk both short and long term thinking. So let's uh, first say, Ross, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Roderick. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's uh, you know, be bad. Did you get traded when you were a player? Yeah, I did, actually. Uh, after my seventh year with the Detroit Lions uh, in the offseason, I was traded uh, to my hometown, the L.A. Rams. Um, and uh, they had just had a coaching change. Uh, John Robinson had just taken over uh, the team. And, uh, uh, you know, we had a first-round pick that year, a guy named Eric Dickerson, which was pretty exciting. and. Uh, I ended up being a backup offensive lineman, uh, had a chance to start several games with duty injuries and really found my role with that group of guys. And uh, it's probably one of the better organizations I ever played for. So from a player perspective, did you know a trade was coming? Obviously, we're in a different world of social media um, and that maybe yeah. changes everything. Did you know it was coming? Yeah, the end of my seventh year was the strike year, 1982, and I was an active uh, union player. Um, and uh, when we did come back, I was not in good grace with with the management at that time. With the head coach, I was uh, I thought I was good, uh, but we had a rookie offensive lineman that uh, he was uh, wanting to play ahead of me, which. Uh, at that time, uh, we only had like eight games that year uh, due to the strike year. And uh, I uh, probably did myself misservice by not coming back in shape, um, you know, with eight weeks off that we had. Um, I went out to California and probably had a little bit too much fun, came back out of shape, and he benched me. And uh, and then we ended up uh, winning a couple games, and everybody got the playoffs that year. And and then at the end of the year, uh, we lost the playoff games, the Washington Redskins, who went on to win the Super Bowl that year uh, after the 82 season. And uh, I knew I wasn't in good grace uh, now with the head coach uh, and the management. And so uh, we had the, my final meeting with the head coach. He said, hey, Russ, I want you to come back and uh, be a leader and, and uh, win your job back. I said, you know what, after what's gone on, uh, I, too many hard feelings. Uh, my heart wouldn't be in it. And I think I hit a buzzword with the head coach. Once I said that my heart wouldn't be in it, he decided to trade me. And basically at that time, he told me, oh, I'm going to definitely trade you. I'll trade your ass to Buffalo, which was like the worst city in the world at that time, you know, uh, with the organization, um, the worst franchise at that time in 82. And, uh, I thought, okay, well, whatever, coach. And I went home that off season, and then a couple of months later, I got a call and said I was traded to the Rams. I said, coach, 
holy smokes, you traded me to my hometown favorite. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, I guess he did like, but I think it, what it was is I was, uh, they traded me for a fifth round pick. Um, the Lions got a fifth round pick and I, I think they were happy. And, and I know I was happy. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the NFL, you, you stay, your personality stays too long. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Like my wife says, you know, people are sick of you after five years. <laughs> I go, are you, are you trying to tell me something? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and you're probably sick of them too. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was, and I finished my career there as uh and no hard feelings of the Lions. I have cherished memories of the Lions, but that trade was uh, kind of made my career because uh, Dickerson, his second year there, you know, rushed uh, 2105, 2,105 yards, and I got one of the nine uh, rings that he handed out a diamond ring because uh, he has the you know the the league record that hasn't been broke yet, and yeah. uh, that's a cherished memory and. He was a heck of a teammate um, and was, you know, pretty easy to block in front of. Uh, he uh, he was pretty special. So that was that was nice. And we did get in the playoffs all three years I was there. Matter of fact, my last game that of my career, I played against the 85 Bears and they beat, beat us to go on to the Super Bowl. Um, so that was a pretty good team. They call that one of the better teams yeah. ever. So, that was, Bears. yeah. 85 bears. Yep. yep um, so yes, I have been traded and, and, you know, it was funny. You, uh, a lot of stuff goes on in the off season, you know, in regards to trade, people are always sizing each other up. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't have much say, you know, but I did have a couple, I ended up representing myself which was not real smart. Um, and uh, one of probably the dumber things I did. So I didn't really have anybody uh, looking after me. And I think that might, might've hurt me a little bit. Um, but, you know, you never know what's going on with a, with a GM and an agent. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times agents have other clients uh, that uh, they're always looking out for. And a lot of times they've got a they're in good grace with the current GM. And I think that a little bit uh, was exposed this year uh, in the trade deadline, you know, with a couple of guys that got drafted. I think the agents knew, you know, Hey, this guy's disgruntled or this guy's not feeling like he's feeling the love, you know, let, let's make a change. And you, you, you find a buyer and you, and you go for it. And I think that's what, what might've happened. Or you might feel like you can't afford the player because his contract's up next year and you're going to, be hit up big time and you can maybe go get some draft choices instead. If it's a new staff, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, a lot of it's not shared with the media and uh, there's a lot of back behind the scenes stuff that goes on. So, you know, hit, let's just talk about them. Uh, you know, you go ahead and ask me questions. That I can yeah, tell you what I know. I've been yeah. out a couple of years, but yeah. I, I still have relationships with a lot of the guys. And, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, uh, and I still, ha- I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, I still live in the city of Detroit, and I'm a big fan of the Lions and with all the people that they got working for them. I get, got a chance to work with some of them, and I got a chance to, uh, uh, you know, uh, get to know a lot of guys in, in the organization. And I'm a big fan of the coach. You know, yeah. he's my style of coach. Um, well, that's uh, that's that's where we're going to start. That's how you couldn't have segued any better for us. Again, your, your hometown team now, the Lions – um, they got back in return, uh, a second round pick in 23 and a third round pick in 24, but they had to give up 
their uh, 2019 first round pick, TJ Hawkinson, obviously a guy that uh, that was um, maybe falling out of graces a little bit, but they also had to send to the Vikings a 2023 fourth round pick and a conditional fourth round pick in 24. So, um, you know, first thing that jumped out to me with this one was you're, you're trading in division, which there are years, there are divisions, and there are old rivalries where this would have never happened. Talk to me. Maybe we've got two younger GMs, um, two coaches yeah. trying to figure it out. Do you think all that plays into this one? No, I don't. Not not when you have a brand new GM. Uh, you know, now now Brad Holmes has been here. This is his second year, but he's still in a building mode, and the tight end was not his pick. However, you know, the tight end's been playing, he's been having a good career up till now. I think might of what happened there is like, hey, are we willing to pay this guy here in another year? Uh, and say, you know, maybe we can go get some picks uh, with his talent level. I think that was a part of what was into it. I think, you know, maybe the relationships with the GM and the agent and then the, you know, the different people at Minnesota. I think there might have been uh, some relationships there where you could, you know, really have some really good conversations and meet each other's needs. You know, um, I thought the tight end was a really good player and inside your own division. I think there is a little bit of that, but not so much anymore now, the way this league is set up, you know, when you go get picks and when you're really building a team, you know, it's it's that old rivalry stuff is kind of gone by the wayside, in my opinion. Um, you know, when you're a, a brand new general manager and you're trying to build a team, that stuff kind of uh, just doesn't uh, fit that much anymore. And I, I think that was the case. I think they both feel good about what they got. I know the Lions are wanting more and more picks. You know, they're building a team and they're off to a rough start, one and six. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the fans here are very uh, short patients uh, and rightfully so. They've never, you know, they've won one playoff game in 70 some years. Uh, so they're upset. And I think the Vikings uh, got a good player. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, he's a local player for me. I, being from Iowa, you know, he's right down the road there from Iowa. Yep. Um, so he's got a name in that area. Uh, he's a good player. Um, and so, you know, you, you also never know if there's a coach that maybe has coached them or if there's somebody else in the organization that really knows the player, can really stand on the table for them and saying, hey, this guy's even got more of an upside. And, um, you know, and, and like I said, that happens a lot of time um, with different uh, scenarios. You know, it's, it's who you know and how well you know them. Yeah. And you think and about that. That, that might have happened. Yeah, that might have happened, I think. Yeah, you look at the Vikings situation. Obviously, everybody coming into the year was thinking this was going to be Green Bay's division and it would kind of be a battle for second behind it. Uh, but here the Vikings are sitting, you know, you know, the second best team in the NFC. They've got a nice lead in the NFC North. Then they have tight end Irv Smith go on IR. I haven't seen if that's going to be a long-term, short-term, but you turn around and get TJ Hawkinson that's going to you know, at least fill that role in the short-term. When he, when If Irv's able to come back, you've got a great tandem of tight ends um, you know, for Kirk Cousins. And, um, yeah, you are starting to think that, all right, we're, we're 
in a spot where we can make a run this year. And, um, you know, Russ, the thing that surprised me most about this was the fact that the Vikings got two, you know, potentially two fourth round picks back in return. And I have to imagine, um, again, the Vikings GM, uh, Adolfo Mensa, he is a, an analytics guy. He comes from that background. I have to imagine um, those fourth round picks could play big into what uh, the way, way he views building this team in the future too. Not only are they winning now, I, but setting themselves up. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think, uh, you know, the analytics uh, angle is, I think you're dead right. Um you know, there's there's been quite a few good players picked in the fourth round uh, by a lot of different clubs. Now, also, as you know, being a scout, you don't quite know the tight end uh, draft year coming up. Like maybe there's a ton of guys I have noticed. I have noticed not only in the NFL, but also at the college level, tight ends are really been an important cog in the offense. Yep. We've got receiving tight ends that are just big receivers. And if they can block, that's a bonus. But I know a lot of the West Coast teams that play college football out that way. And, you know, the tight ends are getting a lot of ball, a lot more balls thrown to them than they ever have before. They're trying to get that mismatch with the smaller uh, EB. And uh, and you got quarterbacks that uh, rely on uh, tight ends. And, and I think you saw that a lot with Goff and, uh, and TJ. They were both relying on each other. And, you know, and, and if you run the ball, uh, which – a lot of teams kind of give lip service to because as we know, it's a passing league, but uh, the lions um, want to play good defense and, uh, and they're building there. They've got a lot of young guys they, they, they like, and they, uh, you know, from what I can see, um, they can run the ball. They keep everybody healthy. Um, and, uh, and then I think golf is a serviceable quarterback who's, who's been to the Super Bowl? You know, you just don't get that kind of a player. And I know they gave up a lot, um, uh, giving up Matt, Matthew Stafford, but, uh, you know, which worked out for the Rams. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's really important to really take everything into play. And I think one of the, you know, saying that the, you know, inside the league, your, your conference, I, th- I think that's just kind of uh, gone by the wayside. People don't really care about that anymore. Yeah. Well, this is, this is certainly any on the surface that we look at it today. I mean, you look, the Vikings got a good player in TJ Hawkinson. They got a couple, you know, picks. This is, this is always one where to truly evaluate trades like this, you're going to have to wait till about 2027 you know, you've got a 23, yeah. and a 24 pick for the Lions. Who are they going to take in those spots? Are they going to be players on the yeah. team? So that's always when you start trading draft picks, you you have to extend that runway to really judge a trade. But uh, let's uh, let's yeah. move on to uh, another okay. team in the NFC North. Um, everybody was expecting the Green Bay Packers to do something. Couple wide receivers in the mix, but they stood pat. They didn't do anything. The Packers did not go get Aaron Rodgers, another receiver. Um, It's, you know, if you've followed the Packers, you understand that is not their MO. Um, It was not their MO under Ted Thompson. Now, uh, their new GM, Goody, he has uh, been a little bit more willing to go out and make a splash. What are your thoughts on Green Bay not doing anything here at the deadline? Well, it, it's a little surprising. However, you don't know who they're grooming, who they've already got in the organization. If there's any young guys that are getting ready or if there's injury guys coming back, 
you know, I know Aaron Rodgers, as you can tell, he has a lot of pull in that organization. He's a big influence. Um, I think there for a while he was pushing for even more. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like he, he's got his certain guys that he throws to. And, uh, and if he could get another guy, I, I got a feeling they've got somebody hidden, you know, on the practice squad or somewhere that is ready to come up off that. And, he, and he's, Aaron thinks he can play and maybe he's got it. Now I know he was kind of bad mouthing his teammates uh, here a couple of weeks ago, which is a motivating factor for me. Once, once the quarterback says, Hey, we got to do a better job. You know, I think that's, that's a call out to the receivers saying, let's get it done and uh, no more drop balls. And, you know, let's run the route, the right routes and get, get the communication level down. And I think, you know, I, I, I that's a strong coaching staff up there. Uh, you know, you and I both work with the head coach and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good organization. Um, they've had a lot of success. Um, you know, it, it, the chips just didn't fall. The right receiver wasn't there. And like I said, we don't know really who's in the mix, uh, in behind the scenes. Um, but I just know this, a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, is not something you want because I think he has a lot of power. I, ne- I never thought I would say that in, in the NFL, but this guy does have a, he seems to me has a lot of juice in that organization. And it's sometimes, you know, he's called upon to say, Hey, what do you think? And uh, where that never used to happen, but that happens more and more now, the more they pay these guys. Yeah, certainly. And, and yeah, and I, I think they've got a good organization. I think the GM does a really nice job there. I think, uh, it's a, it's a strong NFL city. It's uh, it's a good organization, and they've had success. One of the most overlooked aspects that good organizations, good teams, any level um, that ends up happening is if you're good, not only do you lose players, but you lose coaches. And you look at what uh, yep. what Coach Lafleur has done, and he's. I mean, they have had coaching turnover underneath him. You look at you know Justin Outens with Denver now. Um, you know, yep. you're changing over a defense and, and that can take time as well. So not only, I, I think, are they maybe looking at a, a receiver, a tight end, a pass catcher to come back, but Hey, we're going to get this coaching staff, right? And again, it all falls up. The, the head coach is calling the plays. He's running the ship, but you've got to have everybody, uh, orchestrating this thing underneath you. And perhaps, you know, maybe just a week or two away from, from Green Bay really hitting their stride with that. I, I think that'll be something to to really pay attention to, too. Yeah, they have a history of finishing strong, so I would have to agree with you there. Uh, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, the NFC North being so strong. Um, I know the Lions are one and six, but I, I've got a lot more faith in that team. Um you know, they were in quite a few games the last couple of weeks. They haven't had a great outing. Um, but with that said, um, I'm excited about their staff. Um, and I know they just let a coach go, uh, you know, which happens sometimes, uh, you know, during the process of a season. Uh, you, you never know what's going on. But um, they've got a lot of really good uh, personnel people in that office. And I know they're out on the streets beating it now. Um, so they've got a lot of people that can get on the phones and communicate, uh, which is what I think happened. Yeah, yeah certainly. Well, uh, I mean, it's it's fun. We're staying in the NFC North because it, that was the busiest division 
Uh, certainly. So let's, you know, jump over the only team we haven't talked about. The Chicago Bears made a couple of deals. Uh, the one that kind of everybody saw coming, they sent Roquan Smith to the Ravens, got back a 2023 second round pick, and then a 2023 conditional fifth. That was originally the Patriots pick. Then a couple of days later, uh, a player that a lot of people had maybe connected to Green Bay, the Bears go out and get Chase Claypool, uh, a second round pick in 2020 of the Steelers that was kind of an odd man out there. They sent back to the Steelers uh, their 2023 second round pick with the way the bear season's going. You probably imagine that's going to be uh, towards the top of round two, but uh, they go out and get Justin Fields, a uh, weapon in Chase Claypool. Um, the bears, again, you kind of see it both ways. They grab a young player. They send a good young player. It's, it's kind of par for the course. You add some draft picks for a team that is building young quarterback, young core. Um, what are your thoughts on the bears? Yeah, I'm excited, uh, about the bears. Uh, I know they have a new GM, you know, and he's, he's new at this. Uh, but I think they got a really good quarterback. I was real high on Justin Fields coming out. Um, you know, and I've got some friends in the organization. Um, you know, it's they've had quite a bit of turnover here in the last four years. Uh, and to get a receiver of that caliber, you know, and I noticed that uh, Justin Fields, you know, they're, they're mixing up the plays. They're giving him more run opportunities, which they hadn't done up until now. And I always thought he was a good runner. You know, and I think at times you have to do that, you know, and you, you don't want to consistently feed a quarterback because you get him beat up. But with that, with the addition to the receiver, um, you know, that's, it's going to be huge, I think, coming down the stretch and you'll see an increase in production. You'll see, uh, you know, and I think that the, the, the GM is young and new and, he, you know, he's got a, a pedigree coming out of the chiefs and, and I think the chiefs know how to throw the ball. And so that's what this guy plans on doing. And they're going to build a team that that'll do that. So we'll see. Yeah, certainly. Again, the Rokon Smith, again, that was, the writing was on the wall with that one. The fact that Roquan had shown up and played well, uh, testament to how good a player he is. But again, he was it was widely viewed that he was not in the long-term plans. But the, for the Bears to go get Chase Claypool, again, one of my favorite players at a Notre Dame in that 2020 draft, I think he can absolutely be a stud number one. Um, I think Justin's game really fits Chase's game as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm with you. I really like Justin coming out of Ohio state. I think that could be a really fun combination. And, and I think you'll also see the trickle down when you've got a number one guy, um, the rest of those wide receivers that, uh, have kind of been a punching bag for people around the league. Um, everybody gets better when they kind of slide into the slot where they should be a true number two, a true number three. And that Cole commit right. tight end, will start getting more opportunities, um, again, it's all going to be good for Justin. And, um, as he continue again, we all know he can run, uh, but to sit back in the pocket, uh, to have a number one, like chase outside, is he going to help him in his overall game, just continue to ascend to be, you know, what I think is going to be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. I agree. It's going to be exciting. I think, uh, the NFC North will, will be, uh, one of the more exciting conferences and, uh, I'm glad to be sitting right here watching all these games. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. You know, you, that the, the black and blue division is what they used to call us. And, uh, you know, we, we slugged it out and, uh, play a good brand of Russ, uh, Russ belt football. 
Yeah, that's it's perfect. It's when when the NFC North is good football, that's that's good for all football. So, uh, well, let's let's get out of the NFC North. Let's head let's head over to the AFC. Um, you know, it was a deal that a lot of people were talking about. Not everybody thought it'd get done. AFC West, AFC South. So the Broncos are fans are not happy right now. They send edge rusher Bradley Chubb and a 2025th. 2025 conditional seventh to Miami and in return Miami sends Denver back running back Chase Edmonds a 2023 first round pick that was San Francisco's pick kind of hard telling where that one's going to fall right now and then a 2024 fourth rounder as well Miami clearly they're having a good year they go out and get probably the best pass rusher that was going to be available in Bradley Chubb a young player that's you know going to impact the edge and um you know Denver gets a first round pick but um Denver, are they building? Are they've got the quarterback, uh, but they still go for picks? They get rid of uh, a player, Bradley Chubb, add kind of a a role running back in Chase Edmonds. Um, kind of talk about those two franchises. What you think they might have been thinking there? Yeah, again, the the, the GM uh, for Denver is is new. Uh, you know, he's he's building a team, um, and uh, you know, we, they went out and uh, got their quarterback. Um, now, uh, with the with the edge rusher, you don't know what was going on with him in regards to what his future was. You just never know what actually happens inside the locker room. You know, the coaching staff could be high on him, low on him, but we, you, know, you never know. And, and you got to take your opportunities when somebody's hot or what is referred to be hot around the rest of the league. But it, you might have information on the inside that says, you know, like this guy maybe has lost a step. But as we all know, edge rushers are crucial uh, down the stretch. You know, you you you, you got to have a thrower and you got to have a rusher, uh, an edge rusher, uh, to have success in the playoffs. And and they proved that. Um, a lot of teams have proved that. Uh, you know, the Rams being one of them last year, um, that to have that kind of success. And I think that's what they were looking for. Um, now, I think, you know, w- with Denver. I'm a big fan of, of their GM, George Patton's, you know, gotta been a road scout with him for forever. And, and he's a West coast guy. So I would bump into him a lot, uh, which was a lot of my territory at the time. And I think he's a sharp guy. He's, he's, uh, got a new coach. Um, so that there's a lot going on, you know, like I said, and when you're growing and building a team, you know, a lot of times the privy of, of the fan base and the media is not always taken into account by these people. They're, they're doing things behind the scenes and they're, they're trying to strengthen their team the best they know how. And uh, so I got a lot of faith, faith in them. You know, I've seen some reports about how the quarterback is doing there. You know, um, that's not surprising. You know, uh, a lot of times it takes a little while uh for teammates to get used to each other. Um, but, but I think uh, that one will work out. All right. I do. I think that that one will work out. All right. Yeah. It'll be certainly a decision. Miami will have to make um, Bradley is in yeah. his fifth year option. So he is going to, you know, yeah. either get paid by Miami or somebody else this next year. And maybe Denver had already yeah. decided they were not going to pay him. Um, and so it's a lot for Miami to give up again. You certainly look, 
it's for me, it's surprising with Miami to go all in on a player where you may not know in the future, you've got a first year head coach. Now your GM has been there a little bit. Um, you are playing good football, scoring a lot of points. Are you one rusher away from, you know, going out and maybe winning the AFC? Uh, apparently they think yeah. so. And it'll yeah. be on Bradley yeah. to certainly make them right. Yeah. Now you, you, you and I have worked with that head coach there at Miami. So, so, so we know his, his background and uh, I got a feeling he was on board with that uh, strongly. And he, he knows how much, you know, that can really benefit your team, you know, and I just got through watching them. They played the Lions here uh, uh, a week back or whenever it was. And they've got, some skilled players on offense that are just dynamite and they got a head coach can really draw them up, uh, as you know. So that's an exciting franchise right now. That's, that's one of the bigger surprises. I didn't know Mike would have that much success coming out, uh, right out of the box, but, uh, he's, uh, he's a special talented, uh, guy, as we both know. And, uh, we witnessed there, uh, in Atlanta and, um, you know, the more, confidence he gets and the more experience he gets he's just going to get that that much smarter you know and I always thought he was a good uh, evaluator you know a lot of times you've got coaches that are just draw him up and and call the plays but you know I think he knows a little bit about talent um, and he's got a strong opinion I got a feeling he's he's got a good relationship with their GM there like you said that's been there a while yeah, well, certainly not only weapons on the offensive side, but you pair Bradley Chubb with uh, Jalen Phillips, who I thought was by far the best edge rusher when he came out in the draft. And you've got uh, you've got two young players that uh, are going to you know create a lot of problems for teams, uh, especially if Miami can score points like they have been. You get ahead and turn those guys loose, it uh, it you know creates all sorts of problems. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. To you know, Bradley Chubb make Miami right for that one and. Uh, Got one more we want to hit on, a guy that uh, you and I, I think we're both in the draft room. We got to know him through the process. The Falcons trade wide receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jaguars. In return, they get a 2023 conditional fifth and a 2024 conditional fourth rounder. Now, Calvin obviously suspended this year uh, for the uh, gambling issue. Um, missed most of last year with the mental health. So you've got a player who, you know, it's going to be about two and a half years between this guy playing games, and yet he commands two picks. The Jaguars on the other end, you've got a a young quarterback. You've got, um, you know, you've got a a team that uh, offensively is young, uh, trying to figure it out. They looked good for a couple weeks, and then, you know, they've kind of been on the slide. So, uh the Falcons, the fact that they were able to turn around and trade Calvin with his situation um, for two picks um, and not late yeah. rounders, again, really surprised well, me. So what are your thoughts there? I, I, I really think that's the relationship uh, that the both GMs had built over the years. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot goes behind the scenes uh, along with the agents who've been around forever you know, and everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to see their client. Uh, the agents want to see their client be happy and get paid. Um, and I think everybody has their needs. And I think when you, you get on the phone and you get, you know, phone line hot, you, you can make up some good. And I'm happy for Ridley. I'm, I'm just happy that he's back in playing, you know, um, 
you know, a lot of times there's a coach, there's a particular coach that's now on the staff that says, Hey, I had a lot of success with that guy. Or there's somebody in the building that put his name on the player and vouched for him and find a way to get more out of this guy that, you know, that what, what we used to get out of and perhaps his problems are over, you know, he's addressed them. Um, somebody that knows them close and feels like they can, you know, get on the table and, and convince a GM or a head coach and saying, look, we can do this with this guy. He'll help us in this regards. And, you know, he has faith in me and, and I'll keep him straight. And um, that's happened uh, quite a few, few times in the league. And a lot of times when, when that coach leaves and the player has, doesn't have that type of success. So, I can't name names of who it was or what they were doing or, you know, what the influence was, but, um, I see, you see that all the time and it happens in life, you know, yep. you just, uh, it just, that's just part of human nature, you know, uh, you know, uh, you saw at the college level, I mean, gosh, you know, I, I went to college cause, uh, the guy that was my offensive line coach, I fell in love with, you know, I talked to him to this day. I, I still get advice from him, you know? He's, uh, he was a C student and I'm still, my wife says the guy was a C student. You're still getting advice for him. He just knows people. He knows how to treat people. He knows how to motivate people. And you have those type of people in the NFL that are putting their names on these really talented players that have trouble off the field. You know, um, I'm, I look back on my career. I mean, in the seventies and eighties, we had guys that were losing their careers because of marijuana. And now they're promoting marijuana for uh, all the injured players or the guys that are the retired players. It's now legal, you know? So it's like, you know, sometimes stuff happens where it comes back around and uh, it is, you know, and that's what we're seeing with Ridley. It's, it's like, Hey, he's going to get well. And, and we're willing to put our uh, name on the guy and and get some production out of him. And And that's good for the player. Right, and it's good for the uh, for the Falcons to uh, pull that off. Yeah, certainly, and that's the. I mean, I've, I've, I think we both have been in situations where a, a coach, maybe a scout, somebody in the building, will put their name on a player, and and there's again, I can think in my mind, there are situations where it absolutely worked out. Players went and thrived, and there are situations where it did not happen, and that's again, it's on the player, it's on the coach, yep. it's on the follow through, and. And, you know, the biggest thing for any of these players, every scout out there wants to see players have success. They want to see the talent that players have ultimately show. And again, sometimes if that's uh, on another team, you know, if that's good for everybody. And um, and I, I guess you would also say that uh, no matter how much you read in the media and listen to, you know, any commentators out there what happens in the building, the conversations are much deeper than we ever know as, uh, you know, fans on the outside. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's the way it, that's the way it should be. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It's, it's like when you have inside information, you know, you keep stuff to yourself. There's a loyalty there within the locker room, uh, within the management. And, you know, it's, we were able to witness that when when we were our head coach was Dan Quinn and our GM was Thomas Dimitrov. You know those guys had a great relationship, and they kept everything in front of them. And and we uh, we all bought into that. You know the, the players, 
uh, the coaches and the scouts all bought into that. And as a scout, I just loved it because I never really felt a part of that threesome of players, coaches, and scouts. It, it seemed like the scouts were always left out. We were the guys on the road. But uh, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov had a way of tying in uh, the scouts and making feel a big part of it. And that's that's one of the reasons why we had success. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'd, I'd been around at several different teams. And when you don't feel that, you know, there's there's a there's a little bit of a, you know, an energy pull on you. And, and you know, when you're out on the road and you, you feel like you're a part of it, man, you, you'll work that extra two hours at night and go to bed go to bed a little later right um but when you it's it's uh there's nothing better than being on a strong team and i think with all these trades that went on they're playing into the talent level of these players and these all these scouts and gms they've had grades on these guys forever since they come out of college and so that you know like hey we this is what we thought of this guy coming out of college this is what he's done in the NFL whether he's been hurt or got in trouble or whatever do we still feel good about this guy and if there are enough people in the organization that says yeah we feel good about him then you got to you got to roll the dice and yeah. i think that's what you saw these people do and 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 a lot of times it's the fairly new gms who were at other places you know they got their reputation at another team where which is how was having success and they were part of those conversations and now they're got their own team and they're bringing all that information to, to the table. And uh, that's the beauty, the beauty of, you know, the whole thing is you, you keep mixing scouts and coaches and players together until they jive. And, and, you know, the faster you can close that window of communication where you really get tight, trust each other, the better you're going to be. And uh, some GMs can pull that off. Some head coaches can pull that off. Um, and that's the fun part, right? Absolutely. That's the, the team building, the leadership that those two have to be in lockstep for the success of the organization. And, and yep. you know, for everybody that's outside the building, um, and that includes me and you yep. now, it's uh, you have to sit there. Yep. And if you're rooting for a team, rooting yep. for a player, you've got to trust that everybody uh, that was a part of those decisions is uh, probably knows more than you is looking out for yeah. looking out for their interest and whatever ends up happening is, is going to help both sides. And um, it yep. may be tough for, you know, you, you think about Denver a couple of years ago, you had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and now you don't have either in Atlanta. They had Julio yep. Jones and Calvin Ridley. Now you don't have either. And you've got to trust yeah. the, uh, trust That's the great point. owner Roger. is going to put the right coach, the right GM in place. And uh, it may not look pretty for a little bit. I don't think anybody's going to say that, that that win Atlanta had this weekend was pretty, but it was a win. And uh, I'm sure Atlanta feels like they are better today moving forward with a couple of the moves they made. Same thing with Denver, uh, Minnesota, Chicago, all these teams. They made the moves for uh, the short and long term success of their organization and you know you just got to sit back and trust and you know question it absolutely but uh understand that they are working with more information than you are that's right and as the, each one of these teams as the leadership grows as we know leadership is so crucial you know you can see it you can see what's going on in our country everyday life you can any business you know you can walk into a restaurant and, and you can sense the vibration of, God, this must be a great leader. These people like working here. You know, the, my waitress likes it here. You, you go to a medical facility, 
right? And, and the nurses that wait on you, somebody, somebody, there's a great leader in this building because I'm being treated right. And uh, what's interesting to me is it's the same with football. You know, these young guys get their shot as GMs and head coaches, and they're growing as leaders. And as they grow in leadership, you know, it's, it's like a lot of times, you know, you see it in wins and losses. A lot of times you don't, you know. I think with the with the Lions right now, you know, with their record and everything, you know, the fans are struggling again and they're they're up they're all up in, you know, Ruha ha and they're yelling and screaming, fire the coach. Whoa, 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 slow down, guys. You know, we're building this team and um I think they've got the people to pull it off. And you know, if there's one organization and I was with five of them. Um, and I played for the Lions, and I also scouted for the Lions. And I, I think the ownership, the, the family, the Ford family, is really gracious and shown a lot of patience. And um, the great city um, is a blue-collar period city, and um, you know it's it's Detroit against everybody is their motto. And uh, they need to pull it off, and I think they can do it. I think they've got the the right people uh, in house and. Um, and they've got the right people talking to the ownership. And I, I saw where the ownership came out and talked to the fans. You didn't have to do that. You know, this, the, the daughter that's now running the team, she didn't have to do that. She goes, hey, I care about you guys. P- please hold on. Please hold on. And now they've done that before, but this time it just felt different. It just yeah. felt different. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the players, you see a vibration uh, with the players. I get a great vibe from the, from the guys when they play. I, I got a chance to watch some of the game um, Sunday. Had a friend come over, and we sat and watched the game. And, of course, he, you know, he works for a large corporation. We both said the same thing about leadership. You know, it's just you, you got to have it. And, um, you know, anytime you're, you're around an athletic team, so, you know, whoever's calling the shot, whoever's doing the motivation is – crucial just crucial you got to have enough players in the building that enjoy the game enjoy the you know the commitment enjoy how much they're putting into it and and i think the lions have done that the record doesn't show it unfortunately and that's what they're getting you know that's that's what all the fire is right now um you know if you turn the radio on you you listen to those guys trying to make a living and they're doing a pretty good job of it uh you know firing everybody up saying we need to do something um but you know the the game has changed uh both at the college level and the nfl level and um you know we'll keep seeing uh, a changeover in in talent a changeover in, in coaches i think it gets shorter and shorter every year you know which is amazing to me it's like how, how you know you, two years isn't really enough to you know put a product together but they're saying it is. So that's that's the name of the game. Yep. Gotta find a way to win. And that's again for yep. the for the Lions. Again, there's a lot of good signs for any team that made moves. Again, you want to see the signs. It doesn't have to be, you know, world breaking. You don't have to go undefeated, but you just gotta see the signs that the plan in place going forward is going to be successful and uh you know that's what fans want to see and it may take a year yeah. maybe maybe take two years and um but we'll find out if the leaders are going to stand behind the plan or um if ownership is going to turn around and make a change so uh well ross this was yeah. a lot of fun um thanks a ton for being on here yeah I, thank you for having me this is great I, your your uh, career is just taken off here I, it's a it's a fun uh, podcast 
um, you know, you have all the information and you're a good man. And, and uh, there's enough listeners out there that uh, can learn something. Well, hopefully they do. As always, head over, leave me comments on Twitter at RightStepADV. We will be back with more podcasts. Let me know what you want to hear. And perhaps we'll have Big Rusty on again. So thank you. Keep scouting. I'm always available for you, Roderick. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>